0: I'm Garth Hand. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're
1: the Forex
0: Angels and you're listening
1: to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell.
2: Kelly Racing kicks off Jack Daniels' season.
0: Yeah, the livery does look great. It's something we've been working on with Jack Daniels for uh, about two and a half months. Moffat looks
2: set for the development series, but who with? And the drivers return for a Mayo derby We look at all that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Rick Kelly told the V8 Insiders that they're excited about kicking off the first half of Kelly Racing's 2010 season.
0: We we haven't got as big a task as we did for the start of 2009. We're much more experienced now and um, we we know the equipment we've got at the moment is capable of winning races, so we're in much better position than we were this time last year, but we we are just as busy.
2: But Kelly said there may not be only four cars in their stable in the future.
0: That's half of the team launch. We need to get Bugs' livery and, and the fourth driver unveiled. And uh, I think we're actually going to expand into other bits and pieces this season as well. So that may not even be half, which is quite exciting.
2: We have more from Rick Kelly in this week's White Flag Lab. Jamie Wincup, Will Davison, Mark Winterbottom and Paul Dumbrell have returned from a promotional tour of Abu Dhabi and the Yas Marina circuit. They got to ride in a Formula One Minardi two-seater on the circuit, but also had a chance to get into the marina for some water sports. The inaugural yes, V8 400 will take place on February 19-20. James Moffat has been reported as being set to move into FPR for the development series in 2010. Moffat has been working hard to secure a driver for this season after finishing second in the championship last year. But he declined to be interviewed for the V8 Insiders this week as nothing has been confirmed for the second generation driver. He is this week participating in the FPR boot camp with Mark Winterbottom, Stephen Richards and Paul Dumbrell. Grant Denyer will not be racing in the development series full time in season 2010 as he has returned to Breakfast TV reprising his role as the weatherman on Sunrise. Denyer told Inside Motorsport at the Sydney 500 he was unsure of his racing career and TV careers and what both might have in store for him.
0: My heart is in motorsport, Um, my wallet's in television. I don't think you can manage two careers like that. So I'm enjoying what I've got at the moment. And I'm yet to make a call. You know, I'm I'm really in two minds. It's actually quite a painful decision.
2: (laughs) Stone Brothers Racing will launch their 2010 V8 Supercar Championship campaign with a cocktail reception this Friday, January 29th. It'll be held at the Yatla Workshop of Stone Brothers Racing with tickets costing $140 each. The night includes the unveiling of the Irwin and SP Tools Falcons with live music and a charity auction of sporting memorabilia and sponsors' products. All proceeds going to Brisbane's Royal Children's Hospital.
4: We we get a lot of requests for supporting different things, and um, we decided to make the Royal Brisbane Hospital our um, charity of choice. And, and last year, um, with help from one of our sponsors, um, SP Tools, um, you know, we contributed nearly thirty thousand dollars there, which um, we were pleased about. So we decided this year we would tie it in with our launch, which is on Friday night, and. Um, have an auction and we've got about 250 odd guests coming so we're looking forward to it we've, we've got a lot of people that have supported us for a long time and um we we enjoy we enjoy their company and working with them and so what better way to start the season on
2: holden racing team and Bundaberg red racing will not be at the winton test day as they will be testing a week earlier due to the team being rostered to send their cars to queensland for transportation to the middle east Lee Holsworth has signed on with Gary Rogers Motorsport for another year, which will see his involvement with the team extend to six years. Holdsworth, who joined the team in 2006, will this year be working with their new recruit, Richard Halloway. Simmons Plains' round of the championship has been moved to avoid a clash with Channel 7's Winter Spring Racing Carnival. The round will now be scheduled for November 12-14, to 14, making it a back-to-back weekends for the V8 supercar competitors. Sandown remaining on the 19th to the 21st of November. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Briar Gunther and Chris Jewell will be along. Then,
1: on the white flag lap, it's Rick Kelly. Controversy Corner is next, when we return with more on the V8 Insiders.
5: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
3: You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage, out now.
2: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week on the show is the voice of the V8 supercars in Chris Jewell. Good evening, Chris.
6: G'day Craig, yeah, great to uh, hear your voice. Happy New Year, happy Australia Day for yesterday,
2: uh, or
5: the day before. <laughs> it's
2: all been happening, and uh, of course, joining us from Big Pond Sport, Briar Gunther. Good evening, Briar.
5: Hi Craig.
2: It has been an interesting um, time. There's no rest for anyone in the V8 supercar world, as Lee Holsworth has got his signature on a contract that gets him with Gary Rogers Motorsport until... December 31, 2011, Chris.
6: Yeah, look, I think it's great news. Um, Lee's obviously shopped the market, and the market have actually been shopping Lee to a certain extent, and the same thing happened with Garth and some years ago, but the fact that Fujitsu have come on board as the naming rights sponsor there, and... Gary Rogers is solely focused on his race team and he doesn't have the distraction of his his used and new car yards um, to to occupy his mind. I think it's a great thing for Lee to stay there and he'll be pushed hard by Michael Caruso. And I'd really look for GRM to be a genuine force during the course of 2010. They finished in the top 12 last year with both of their entries and uh, Lee staying there gives them the stability they require and also the confidence to know that he's not going to disappear at the end of 2010.
2: Briar, it's interesting too because there was a lot of talk about Lee Holdsworth's future and uh, speculation that he might even end up at FPR at one stage throughout 2009.
5: That's right, there was a lot of speculation when his star was on the rise that he would jump ship for a a better funded team but in the end Gary Rogers Motorsport got the uh, the funding from Fujitsu which is going to help immensely and of course him, Michael and Gary all have a a great relationship going on there. And I think that was something that he didn't bra- want to break, although he had already uh, had some sort of a deal uh, arranged, but it just wasn't formalised. So this is purely a formalisation part of the process. The and
6: and people talk analysis. about chemistry too in race teams, and um, they're not breaking the chemistry. They're actually introducing some new people to their team without uh, removing the core of their business. So I think Lee was probably pretty wise to at least another year with another year option thereafter and I'd look to those guys scoring you know at least a couple of wins each during the course of this season.
2: What does it mean Chris to have someone like Richard Halloway joining the team?
6: Yeah absolutely and that was sort of my um, preemptive strike in some ways. Uh, you know, Gary's been very clever at um, picking up on parts of the Walkinshaw performance program and choosing to remain isolated in certain other areas and trusting his long-serving crew to do the right thing by the team, both from an engineering and design point of view, but I think having Richard Holloway there will be the last part of the equation they need, probably to avoid getting lost. And there are certain occasions at different tracks where they actually appear to be struggling and uh, there are certain tracks that give them a strong suit. So... If that bridges the gap between their bad weekends and their good weekends, then they're definitely going to be contenders for, you know, top five spots in the championship. Mm.
2: Briar, have you been amazed at the turnover of staff, and particularly Walkinshaw Racing and FBR, two of the uh, factory teams, if you like, that have been just divesting themselves of people left, right and centre over this Christmas
5: break? yeah that's right there has been a lot of uh, movement between teams and I think also uh, that's got a bit to do with the uh, the new teams coming on board as well there's been a lot of changes right across the board in the v8 field um, of note Kelly racing is about the only one that hasn't had a team change so that's got to be a you know something to, to praise about that team because that's pretty amazing as you said given that teams like HRT and FPR have had a lot of uh, team movements and, and changes within those teams
2: Chris you were managing a team for a long while there what does it mean to a team to have a high churn rate like some of these teams are experiencing?
6: Well, it's not unusual to see between 20 and 30 percent turnover in most teams, uh, excepting the top teams. We need to isolate Triple Eight Racing and see just you know how many people they may well have lost. And I don't recall that they've lost any, to be quite honest. Certainly not any of their key players. So success breeds stability and the pursuit of success also breeds turnover so uh, it's not unusual in any form of motorsport for there to be a reasonably high turnover rated end of every season but HRT for years could fall back on the strength that they used to have with Robbie Starr and all the guys that used to be there Jeff Gretsch when he was there and uh, and I just wonder whether Triple Eight going into the new year are probably in better shape than potentially HRT who effectively Uh, want to fight the
2: championship out with Triple Eight. But, well, it's my understanding, Chris, that uh, although, with the exception of Campbell Little, they've kept most of their high-profile staff at Triple Eight, their rate of mechanics at the workshop and everything uh, has been quite a high churn. Yeah,
6: look, that and that makes sense too, because it's a, it's a tough sport. The season's getting longer. Uh, yes, we've got a mid-season break coming up this year, if in fact we can call it that, but it really is quite taxing. A lot of the guys don't use their time in Loo during the course of the year and they very rarely use their annual leave. And specifically when we don't go overseas to events like Bahrain, which was cancelled last year, or sorry, postponed, then the chance to actually diminish the amount of leave that's owing uh, is removed from you and there's any, there's a cost in that as well also the fact that most of the the drivers are uh, sorry the technicians are now a lot older uh, means a lot of them have got young families and uh, despite the fact that you can have a lot of success at somewhere like triple eight it's a very taxing business to work in like most professional sports and after two or three years of the success a lot of people choose to move away and do something else that gets them home at five o'clock every night
2: Yeah, it is a a tough game, Briar, even for us here in the media. Look, it's the greatest show on wheels. That's the, uh, well, certainly the bandwagon that's going to be banging along all through 2010. Is this going to be what breaks them through the ceiling and uh, gets them into, I was thinking back of that AFL campaign where we'd like to see that.
4: So these guys use their whole body to hit each other.
3: Yeah, I like to see that.
5: These guys can catch a ball from 12 feet in the air. I'd like to see that.
1: You're telling me these guys run flat out all afternoon? Yeah, right, I'd like to see that.
5: I can't remember that AFL campaign. 36 big guys in very tight shorts. Yeah, I'd like to see that.
1: We're too young, that's why. <laughs> <It's> Maybe.
5: <amazing.
0: laughs>
1: These guys spit the dummy at the umpire and get away with it? I'd like to see that. Too
6: be old uh, enough to
4: drive. <laughs> <laughs>
5: there to
1: yeah, I've seen Australian rules. What rules? <laughs> Kick goals from 70 metres out? <sighs> I'd like to see that.
5: It is about breaking through, you know, what you mentioned about. with breaking through that fishing head barrier. In a way, I mean, that little preview that we saw at Sydney was... It was, was really good, I really enjoyed it. I mean, others might not have, but I, I really enjoyed it. But it still managed to, to keep the tie with VX Supercars, with motorsport, by using the tyres and things like that. And um, my understanding is that there's a lot, of, a lot more bigger things to come that aren't quite motorsport related, but should actually get the message out to the masses that, hey, here's VX Supercars, this is what we do, come watch us because it's fantastic.
2: Chris, how successful will uh, marrying motor racing with the colour pink
6: Oh, look, you know, I think it'll work well. Obviously, Team Vodafone ran in a bright, hot pink during the course of the last race of last year. But, you know, the greatest show on wheels gives it that circus-esque type flavour. And, you know, Pink has just finished a tour that was uh, very heavily biased towards uh, circuses and, uh, and all sorts of um, uh, manoeuvres that she was doing on, um, on high ropes and ribbons and all sorts of things. So I think that it's probably good synergy there. Whether or not it's the rifle shot, we're really looking for. Not completely sure, but look, at the end of the day, for V8 Supercard survived as strongly as it survived during the course of the downturn in the economy. I think it's required. Now, there might be people in hindsight at a year say it didn't work particularly well, but I think it's time for us to sex it up a little bit. I think it's time for us to bring people into the fold that we've never ever had before and right now pink's a global name global brand and v8 supercar is at the crest of a wave it's either going to break or it's going to turn into a bigger wave and i think that it's certainly uh worth the punt and hats off to those at v8 supercar who've managed to snare uh pink and include her in the advertising and communications program because i've never seen anything like it before and hopefully we'll reap the benefits from it
2: Mm. i i think i was reading something mark fogarty wrote who joins us here on the show quite regularly and uh he was uh, likening it to the, perhaps the Tina Turner Rugby League campaign, which was very successful back in the uh, mid-80s.
6: Yeah, look, I think that's a perfect um, analogy, and, and to use that as a comparison, uh, yeah, I, look, I don't see it as being a bad thing. Pink's you know, very funky, very now, uh, obviously has come from grassroots, um, still doesn't you know, pursue the airs and Graces and the PR bulldust that many of the others do, and despite the fact that she's almost... Um, fascinating in a macabre sense what you see is what you get and that's V8 Supercar
2: mm. Well I'm sure you'll get a chance to chat to her throughout the uh, greatest show on wheels promo I know when we were at Sydney they were doing a lot of the uh, driver, the drivers were doing a lot of uh, promotions for that uh, for getting ready for that And uh, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting We need to take a break here On the V8 Insiders Back with plenty more Right after this
1: The views expressed on V8 Insiders Including the panellists and guests Do not reflect those of the network Thunder Media Sportradio.com.au Or V8X Magazine Any publication or rebroadcast of the show Without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media Is strictly prohibited
4: Hi I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing You're listening to V8 Insiders
3: Welcome back to the Vad Insiders. Craig
2: Revell joined by Chris Jewell and Brian Gunther. And guys, we were talking about the Greatest Show on Wheels. Well, what's going on in South East Queensland? Will the Greatest Show on Wheels be at Queensland Raceway? The toing and froing continues. Chris.
6: Yeah, it's a bit of a concern, isn't it? Um... from a personal viewpoint I just wish we could go to Lakeside because it's just such a fantastic circuit. Obviously there's some politics and all sorts of machinations that are stopping us doing so. But look let's be fair to Queensland Raceway and, and obviously it's going through a fairly tumultuous time and while the track's a little bit antiseptic, one thing it does do is lend itself to the people watching it because you can see every single part of the circuit from any one vantage point, albeit you get a bit blurry on pit wall because you see cars crossing your vision in four different directions. But um, look, I hope that we can address it, but clearly there's um, some deep-seated rumblings there that would probably mean that it's unlikely even if we go there this year that we're going to go there in 2011 and quite how we replace that, I don't know and we genuinely do need a replacement Lakeside, maybe, I'd love it to be Morgan Park, couldn't happen um, I don't know, maybe someone needs to build a new racetrack in South East Queensland
2: Yes, well Briar, I think, uh, isn't it uh, one of the goals of uh, Brett Murray and uh, Terry Morris to get another track up at the Gold Coast? Yeah, that's right,
5: they did have a campaign going a little while ago and I think it is still going I'm not sure if another track is is really the solution although by the sounds of things with that campaign that area does need one but from a V8 point of view I mean, all it's really going to take is really putting in some more toilets putting in some shading, that's that's really critical because there's nothing at that track whatsoever Um, a few little other amenity maintenance issues and things like that and um, Bob's your uncle V8s would happily race there for quite a few years
2: What amazes me Chris is the fact that Adelaide, a temporary circuit, is willing to erect temporary stands with shade and yet we have a permanent circuit that can't even throw up some tarps and shade cloth for their patrons and obviously there's big differences between the Clipsal 500 and Queensland Raceway but gee, Cl- Queensland Raceway gets hired out so many times a year, you would think that uh, some movable shading that they can then put behind the garages or in other positions where they're people who are hiring out that venue can benefit from it would not be out of the realms of possibilities.
6: No you're absolutely right and of course if we go back to when we first saw the Queensland Raceway venue you know as part of the championship those um, pit facilities were temporary you know, they were only meant to be there for a short period of time. They were going to either build a permanent structure or something that was going to be quasi-permanent. I actually drove back from my uh, holiday in rural South Australia yesterday and drove right by the um, Clipsville 500 venue, and already the start-finish line, grandstand marquees and shade, shaded areas are up. Now, whether or not they use that for the cycling event over there, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of infrastructure already being pushed into that facility, and both of those events are government-funded, and I would hope that with government intervention and uh, and dialogue, continuing with Queensland Raceways Management and V8 Supercar Australia that common sense will prevail and that we can see the category returning to that venue for some time to come. Sure we've got the Townsville event which is a fantastic event, but at the end of the day, Townsville's damn near as far from Queensland Raceway as Melbourne is from Queensland Raceway as well, so I think that there's something that needs to be done to ensure that we've got an event that's accessible at a permanent structure, uh, as opposed to the temporary structures we see at both Townsville and also for the, um, for the event on the Gold Coast.
2: Brian, what's your, what's your read on the situation? How soon do you reckon we'll have a resolution to this Queensland Raceway debacle?
5: I think it will come quite soon. Actually, I'm not even sure if if the initial threats about withdrawing it were even uh, real. Uh, I think they were quite empty and a bit of a bargaining tool on on both parts, both Queensland Raceway and even V8 Supercars. And it was just, I think, simply to to move the negotiations along a bit quicker because they'd seem to have stalled. So they used it as a bit of a tactic to to get things moving again. And there was quite a lot of uproar as well from from fans in that area. Uh, They were quite devastated that they wouldn't actually get to to see a V8 race this year on a permanent facility.
4: I
6: just hope that those fans that were devastated actually vote with their backsides because the worst crowd we've ever seen that Queensland Raceway was the crowd that we saw last year when we were there and uh, days gone by you couldn't see any grass down at Turn 1 and Turn 2 but we certainly did last year and I fully concur with what Bryce is saying. I believe it was probably a bit of a warning shot fired across the bows, and maybe it wasn't meant to hit the boat but it certainly did. But it wasn't that very long ago that um, the Grand Prix ousted V8 Supercar and V8 Supercar returned back to Albert Park in a much better way so hopefully this is another way of um, of achieving that goal but it's just showing that... You now, the hard-nosed negotiations that go on reflect the status of the sport, and the sport's quite healthy, and that's fantastic.
2: It is indeed. We need to uh, look at another event that's had a bit of a change, hopefully for the better, because uh, Tassie is going to be put back one week, and after we saw the debacle with the television coverage of PI2, which is Phillip Island 2 last year, um, which came about because they weren't racing at night, it's good to see that they've decided not to take on the spring racing carnival again, Briar.
5: Yeah, that's right. I mean, especially down in Melbourne, you, you just can't take on uh, a sporting event like that. The Melbourne Racing Carnival is, is really important down in Melbourne. You have plenty of people attending the event, and then the rest all watch it on TV. So, I mean, you can't really put v eights up against such a, you know, an institutionalised sport.
2: And you have to remember, Chris, that even the cricket doesn't try to take on the uh, even the cricket doesn't try to take on the tennis when the tennis is on in Melbourne.
6: No, you're right, and uh, look, it is tough scheduling these events. You know, when you look at the the national sporting calendar and try to pick the eyes out of every, event, every sport that's got, a, you know, a total tenure or duration and, uh, and frequency, somebody always crosses over. But I think the fact that we've gone from a you know, a May date back to a different date for Tassie in itself is a great thing because, you know, in, in, in hindsight and, and, I guess, foresight, everybody said what the temperature's going to be like down in Tasmania in the middle of May or wherever it was we were there last year. So I think that that's a fantastic thing, that we don't have to worry about the cold down there, and that clearly kept the crowd away. So, you know, moving it away from a, a direct conflict is very, very clever because despite the fact that the Phillip Island, or PI2, as you called it, um, event you know, certainly attracted a reasonable crowd by comparison with what potentially we may have got at Bahrain, it really did have a club-type atmosphere, and we don't need that for V8
0: Supercar. Mm-hmm.
2: Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. It's on sale now with the Bundaberg Red Racing Cars, on the cover, HRT is a pr- having a private pre-season test briar. They've got to get their cars to Queensland to make the Middle East.
5: That's right, Craig. This happens uh, pretty much every time before there's an overseas event in BH Supercars where two of the the Melbourne teams sorry, two of the Melbourne cars are, um, well, they take it in turns to go up to Brisbane just to make up the numbers up there in terms of getting on the plane to head for a flyaway round. So HRT have been given allowances to test at Winton a week earlier to all the the Victorian teams, so that'll be on February the 1st um, instead of February the 8th.
2: Chris, is that going to hurt fans coming out uh, wanting to see all the cars from Victoria on the track on that test day?
6: Yeah, I think it will. Um, these pre-season uh, testing sessions have really gained in popularity for the, the genuine diehards and it's unusual to see a lot of people you know, trek their way from Melbourne up to Winton, which is obviously 200 odd kilometres as opposed to Queensland Raceway from Gold Coast or Brisbane, but uh, yeah, I think it will hurt uh, fans. And I, I guess it's quite fortuitous in some ways that HRT are getting to test in isolation because... This really is their biggest year because if they actually come second in the championship and the team they come second to is the team led by Roland Dane, then they've effectively come last. If any other team manages to beat them, it's probably not a, a, a critical thing. So the way the cards have fallen, as Briar was just talking about, the way the teams have to transport the cars to overseas events, it's, uh, it's on a rotation system. I think they're probably going to maximise that, but I still wouldn't be surprised to see plenty of people trying to find their way into the uh, confines of the not particularly well protected Winton Circuit and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some commentary on the uh, chat forums and some photographs coming from that particular test session Uh, but at the end of the day, look, it may well be a bit of brinkmanship that gives them that slight advantage when you consider the Triple Eight have got so much to do with both their cars and those cars for Paul Morris Motorsport before we head for the first round.
4: Mm. Just
5: a point there, sorry Craig, I just wanted to mention that there was easily a third of the, the fans who attended the test day at Winton last year were HRT fans so I think it will impact on where the fans decide to go
2: up for that test on the february the 8th hopefully hrt will have a presence there take their drivers there and and have some merchandise available and uh, they'll be part of it because last year we saw some great charity raise for the bushfire appeal and no doubt supercars have got other charities that they want to help support guys triple eight are going to do two tests in two weeks ahead of the championship season. I, I was getting the feeling, Chris, that they might have been doing their shakedown, but uh, when we are talking before the show, you think they've already done their shakedown of a new car?
4: Well, it's
6: hard to know because um, December 17th last year they ran their FG Internals, uh, Commodore Externals car, with uh, all of the camouflage-type decals over it. And uh, the car ran for uh, quite a long Time during the course of that day. Most teams are in presence there. Obviously, uh, the Vodafone team were handing over the car to Jonathan Webb with Dick Johnson Racing. Dean Fiore had his first run in Fabian Coulthard's old car. Stone Brothers were on hand. Paul Morris had a group of cars there as well. Um, so I'm not sure whether or not they've actually used what could be termed their, um, um, you know, their shakedown day. But if the cars are not log-booked, then potentially you can actually run them for quite a long time in a lot of ways. But I'd imagine that they've got you know, a number of new cars that are going to... Uh, to hit the ground running and maybe they're just going to use the chance to do a shakedown 10, 20 laps or so uh, for each car so they can actually avoid turning up for a proper test day with some small gremlins in each of those cars. But clearly Roland Dane's normally at least a half a step ahead of the opposition so maybe just maybe he's, um, he's orchestrated this to the best effect for Triple Eight sometime uh, last year and I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see that they've actually got a uh, little bit of one-upmanship over their competitors.
2: Briar, it does seem backwards to have the official test day and then the shakedown run if that's the way it was going. Well, if it's
5: the way it's going, but um, I mean due to the rules under V8 Supercars they actually couldn't test Uh, before the the next round at Abu Dhabi. So if that's what they're doing, that would be the reasoning behind it because it allowed to beforehand.
2: Mm. Now, Brad Jones Racing still hasn't launched their sponsorship for the Bright Car. Is there troubles there? There were certainly reports of trouble, but Kim Jones before Christmas said no. Everything that's uh, supposed to be on the car is on the car, Briar.
5: Yeah, well, he did say that. Uh, I do understand that there has been an issue with the sponsor. Uh, the original sponsor, I'm not sure how it stands at the moment but in terms of which sponsor is actually going to be on the car but I do know that um, they do have a launch date locked in and it will be soon, uh, they've asked me not to, to mention when but they've definitely got one on the cards coming up so you've also uh, got to realise as well that there's still a lot, a lot of other teams that haven't locked in or, or released their liveries yet and hence of course haven't revealed their, who's sponsoring those cars so I mean if, if you wanted to uh, to sort of well, uh, FPR is one of those cars that haven't uh, locked in their sponsor delivery either and released that to the public. So, I mean, you know, BJR and FPR are on a par, if you like, so you, you can't just point out BJR and say, well, how come they haven't released their delivery yet when there's other teams that, that haven't as well?
2: Mm. I guess, uh, Chris, the interesting thing there is that uh, FPR has said their launch is on the... Uh, is at Winton to try and help with getting some people and getting some fans out there to say the first time you're going to see it is on the racetrack.
6: Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, don't think for a minute that any of these teams won't launch with a brand on the car. Even if they have to launch with a brand on the car that's not necessarily paying the naming rights amount, it's uh, nothing worse than launching blank panels. Those days are gone, unfortunately. So I think you'll still see BJR and FPR for the Steve Richards car and the Jason Bright car, respectively, Uh, have a brand on them but clearly there are some issues there and that's not a surprise I mean you know it's a really tough economy it's a tough market out there and a part of my life is uh, to procure sponsorship and broker motorsport relationships and it's never been tougher both throughout last year and also during the course of the off season but clearly you know Jason Bright and the Brad Jones Racing Operation thought they had a sponsor. Uh, that sponsor's now gone elsewhere, and we'll hear more about that in the next sort of six or eight working days. Uh, whether or not that sponsor actually chooses to sponsor two teams, um, we'll just have to wait and see. But certainly the plans that looked to be uh, handshaken and, and clinical um, at the Phillip Island PI2 event back in November may not necessarily reflect the branding on the cars when they finally launch those cars. But there's plenty of work to be done and there's still enough time for a lot of teams to put something together. But don't think for a minute they won't launch a brand there because um, that's almost an embarrassment. And specifically for someone like FPR, they could not possibly launch their car without having somebody adorning the uh, the flanks of the FG Falcon out of their uh, Broadmeadows base.
2: Mm. Now, guys, I was about to say, could Kellys be entering the development series? But uh, my mail is it's more a case of when, Chris.
6: Yeah, look, I think they will. They're about two kilometres from where I live and anytime I'm within uh, a hemisphere of where, where their location is, I always drive by just sort of hoping for a little bit of a snippet of information. And unfortunately, I didn't uh, attend their launch last week uh, where they, they announced the Jack Daniels continuation for their two main game cars. Obviously, they've still got a fourth driver in the main game that so they need to sign up, announce and, uh, and talk about sponsorship. But look, I'd be very, very convinced that they are going to do something in the development series. Uh, it's a matter of sort of when, not if uh, this year potentially because they've got some good drivers in their makeup, and never has there been more pressure on teams needing to blood co-drivers when you consider the rules that have been handed down for co-drivers this year. So I think you'll see not only themselves and also FPR who've recently... Uh, sort of changed their views about the, for, the, uh, the development series role they were going to have with Matthew White Motorsport. They now look like they're going to run their own team. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that will actually happen during the course of this year's Fujitsu series that will uh, be the, on the back of the fact that um, you can't put your two number one drivers
5: together in the long distance
4: races.
2: Mm, well, that Fujitsu series is 24 entries at the moment, Briar. You think there'll be a Kelly car making it 25?
5: Yeah, look, it might very well be. I mean, they certainly have the capacity and the resources. To be able to enter a Fujitsu Series entry, that's not a problem whatsoever for them. You could look at it as, well, it might be biting off more than they can chew, given that it's only their second year in the V8 Supercar Series. Uh, but as Chris did talk about, what with these uh, the new driver rules for the Enduros coming into place, the Fujitsu Series is just a perfect opportunity to give a, a young driver who hasn't had much miles in the V8 uh, many more miles. So I, I could understand why they would do this. It's a very smart move.
4: Well,
6: I think you'll find that there's uh, more than uh, 24 going to turn up at Bathurst and Island later in the year, let's just keep an eye on that one because there'll be all sorts of hybrid entries from the main game as they try to get their drivers extra miles, not everybody can do that pre-season
2: Briar how will single car teams manage their first year in existence Dumbrell, Alberto, you've got the uh, Rosenberg entry Um, it seems like all of a sudden one car teams or ten car teams is the way to go
5: yeah that's right, well I mean, really, the, the only true one-car team this year that, that's new is the uh, the Lucas Dumbbell Racing. I think they will they will struggle. It's their first year. There's been exceptions, like with Cali Racing, and it would be good to see them be an exception, but personally, I just can't see that happening. Um, with Dalbertos, you've got... Well, they've got the new team, which is Central Racing, but they've taken all of the staff over from their... the Bottle Entry Racing from last year under the Broad National Racing licence. So the Dalbertos are... Pr- Delberto's Albertos are pretty well set up. They've got their car in place and and all the staff are there. So there's not going to be that much of a change for them. Uh, But, yeah, as I said, with Lucas Stumbra Racing, they're starting pretty much from afresh. So they will find it tough. And then you've got ones like the Rosenberg License, but, I mean, they're grouped in with Stone Brothers, so you've got all that, the resources, the data, all that stuff at Stone Brothers, which has been in place for years and and been developed and, and, and gained over the years. So entries in that respect won't have too much of a trouble.
6: Chris? that's um, going to create another area of intrigue to look at some of the single-car entries to see which of those will be you know, the best of the, of the runners there. And it's a long time since we've seen a single-car entry in isolation that's been a genuine threat to any of the main game entries. Yes, there's some customer relationships in some of these operations. There's previous data to draw on. But I think it creates a whole new um, area of interest for the fans, you know, commentators, media and alike, to a- uh, actually see who might be able to do the best... Um, you know, running a one-car operation. Some of them have to stand on their own two feet in the truest sense of the word, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. But right now, very, very hard to pick who the best of those might be, uh, specifically with guys like Dean Fiore announcing new engineers, and the Dalbertos have been around a while. They've followed the blueprint of V8 supercar through the development series. Um, I'm looking forward to it, actually, to, to look at the race within
2: a race. Well, it is going to be an exciting time. Not long now, Chris, until you head off to the Asmarina Circuit, and I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to that.
6: Yeah, certainly am. Um, still yet to know whether or not we're actually staying in that fantastic hotel that the uh, circuit goes beneath. I hope we are, because it's a long way out of town and traffic's not particularly easy to negotiate over there. But Having been to Bahrain and Dubai a couple of times and being incredibly impressed with both Bahrain and the the, uh, China facility, Yas Marina is just another level. And and the fact that we're going to be blessed to watch the racing under lights, regardless of the layout of the circuit or the location of the accommodation, uh, really looking forward to it. Probably about a month too soon, but I'm sure when we're there we'll all enjoy it.
2: I'm sure we will. Thanks very much for your time this evening. And Briar, of course, uh, you're working hard at Big Pond Sport to keep everyone up to date with the the final throws of the off-season.
5: That's right, and we uh, have a new website launching soon, so fans who keep an eye out for that, that's at
2: v8supercars.com.au. Rick Kelly is up next here on the V8 Insiders.
1: To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more.
2: Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8
3: Insiders.
0: Yeah, it's going fantastic. We're quite excited about it. We get along very well. And the jobs that we do within the team complement each other. We certainly don't like step on each other's toes in the different areas of the race team. We both uh, contribute ideas to about three or four of the different departments. And then second to that, we look after three or four departments um, on our own as well. So everything that we do complements each other, even the driving and engineering sides of things. So. Um, it's something that we're quite excited about. I think if you had a team to start maybe a few years ago, it might have been um, a few fights going on. But certainly, yeah, at the moment we're getting along like a house on fire. And if, you know, if we're going to blow, I think last year was a very testing year in our first year. If we were going to fight, that would have been the time and place to do it, and we managed not to. So, yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty happy with that, that's for sure. It's good to work next to someone like Todd, and um, hopefully he thinks the same.
4: Mm. Now, one of the things that uh, when I talk to Todd, I talked to him a lot about a lot of engineering And he said he was quite happy to let you really concentrate in on the marketing and the brand management of Kelly Racing. What do you think you're going to be able to expand with brand management of the teams, Jack Daniel Racing, Kelly Racing in general?
0: Well, Jack Daniel's Racing is a very strong brand, and we're you know we're lucky to have the Jack Daniel's association with the team. Kelly Racing is is very new. Um, it's obviously built its brand over only twelve months. So for, for us as a, as a team and as a business, we need to build that brand um, as much as we can. So we started the Kelly Gang um, Member Program, which has got off to a great success in 2009, um, 2010. We've already got a lot of members on board that, which is which is great. We show them in a, in and around the race team. On race weekends in the um, in the facility here, so that, that's helped build our brand, and we have just got to, I guess get out there and win more races, and um and that will come with time. But um our commercial manager Nick Ryan's done a fantastic job in wrapping the team with um you know his very credible sponsors and you know Harley Davidson, Powerbuilt, and um, and those guys this year and Supermax Razors. is it's great to have those on board only after one year. Um, you know, in the first year, there's a few places on the car just because we rushed everything together. And at the moment, I think that uh, Nick's probably done a better job than any team out there at the moment to have so many brands associated with it.
4: Mm. Now,
0: w- when you're looking at the, the branding
4: of V8 supercars in general, because uh, obviously V8 supercars are trying to get more people there, and then you're trying to get more people out of the people that are already there. So w- how do you go about just... Making your point a difference, ignoring the fact of uh, Jack Daniels Racing. Let's talk Kelly Racing, where it's Todd and Rick Kelly that you're you're actually marketing.
0: Well, I mean, we, you know, we don't go out there and I guess market ourselves um, and put a lot of money and thought into that. It's more, of, I guess, how we operate as drivers in our business, and, and that's how we go about marketing ourselves. We, with the race team, we've, we've made sure we built the, the facility here in, in Brayside in Melbourne. Um, a little bit different to other teams, where it's very much sponsor-related. We've got a shop downstairs with displays in it from our business partners and sponsors. We've got a mezzanine level with, you know, with a bar and coffee area where fans and sponsors can come and do functions and overlook the, all the cars being worked on. And we're very, very much um, innovative as far as the, the um, a- application of the different benefits and bits and pieces that we give sponsors, so that we are a bit different to. Um, you know other race teams and our sponsors are very much a, a part of our race team and um, have ownership in that as such when they come to tracks and things more so than just a business partner or you know a business deal and that's that's great that's why we've managed to keep all our sponsors from last year and do you know two and three year deals with these guys so. Um, that's, I guess, our main point of difference is how we operate as far as um, that sort of things goes. And, you know, as far as Todd and myself as individual personalities, we've got the bits and pieces that we do as well as racing that that, uh, makes us that little bit individual. And, you know, that ski racing and and just having the hands-on approach with the racing compared to, you know, other guys that just turn up on the weekend.
1: Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.